Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 61 of The Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I'm Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? I'm doing well, Jason. Uh, Glad to be uh, having a conversation with you again today and really looking forward to the guests that we're having on today as they're going to share some of their experience. We're talking to some Broadway actors who have uh, navigated that world as followers of Jesus and, and are now serving in ministry and, and yeah, we're going to share more about what they do and how they do it, but really encouraging conversation. But I was shocked, shocked. And I just want to tell everybody right now, you're going to learn something about Jason that's a little bit disturbing today. And honestly, it's going to, I think after we get done recording, I mean, need to go home and spend a little time thinking about this and whether we can continue. But um, anyway, so that's coming up and I just apologize in advance. I don't know what to do I, on behalf of my friend, Jason. <laughs> You're uh, praying for me, though, right? Yeah, I, right, no, no, just kidding. We we had uh, we were talking about the approach to scripture, and in particular, um, uh, Stephen and Juliet, our guests today, um, uh, have a ministry trying to help God's word come alive, and how easy it is for us to kind of get uh, kind of stuck in ruts with our own approach as pastors to scripture, what, how we read scripture, and um, even the way that we present it to our congregations. So I was really encouraged, challenged, and and I think. Yeah, we're kind of refreshed by some of the thoughts they had about what it means to gather uh, around God's word. So I don't know about you. What, what, anything you want to point to as we jump into this episode? Yeah, I think it's, um, again, two Broadway actors who are now doing ministry, uh, really telling the story of scripture, reminded me of the power of story. I know you, it's almost become cliche to talk about the power of story. It's everywhere. It's a big thing to talk about. It's pretty popular to talk about, but it's true. And uh, I want to share, I don't remember when I shared this. This was episodes ago where I had somebody in church uh, basically kind of give me a nasty exchange after church when, mm-hmm. um, when, when the VBS kids were singing <laughs> and said that it was a, a crack in the pillar of tradition or something <laughs> like that. Like, uh, I don't know. It was something really nasty. Um, followed, followed by, uh, you know, some expletives about, you know, just basically like, well, to me, like, well, you don't care. You don't care about tradition. And there were some expletives in there. So the following week, he had apologized and, uh, you know, accepted his apology and everything. But he's kind of like, he's been sort of cranky guy, number one. Like, he's he's the guy. Well, I got to tell you something. Um, he sent me a, a Thanksgiving card. He said, mm-hmm. I want to wish you and your family a, a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, when I saw him on Sunday, we were just talking and sort of shooting the breeze like we do before service. He was much more, I mean, he was cracking jokes. He was um, lively in his conversation. He, he didn't seem as angry. And I started thinking about the fact that, you know, we see each other and we talk to each other every week. And I talk about scripture in front of him every week. There's something about the power. Obviously, it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work, but he's working through the story. Hmm. And 
how conversations around this story matter. They are transformative. And I hear that in our interview today with Stephen and Juliet Trafton. They talk about the transformational power of the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really resonated with me as I was yeah. thinking about this cool kind of reconciliation thing happening with me and Cranky Guy. <laughs> I love it, man. That's fantastic. And so maybe we'll have Cranky Guy on the show sometime down the road. That's right. Know. Who knows? Who knows? He could, <laughs> boy, wow. Talk about finding things out about Jason. He will. Yeah, that's right. We'll not go. mince words. But yeah. anyway, we are, uh, we're excited to jump into this interview. Before we do, um, just a couple of things. One is uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Belay Solutions. Belay uh, is really helping ministries to get those administrative tasks off their off their uh, desk so that they can spend time on what matters most. I want to encourage you to continue to check them out, belaysolutions.com. I mean, if you do forward slash reclaim leader, they have a free download for you on delegating well. Man, I don't know. Delegating. That's tough. <laughs> There's such thing as delegating well. I <laughs> That's right. I've heard of the word delegating. Never, no, That's right. I, I think it's an old wooden ship. That's uh, right. But, and also, uh, please reach out to us. We got a great conversation going on our Facebook group. Uh, Reclaim Leader Podcast. Join us on Facebook and join the conversation. And uh, we had some technical issues with the sound quality of the interview. So there are some times when it might sound like it's coming in and out, but I want to encourage you to hang in there because the content is really great. So thank you so much. And here we go with Stephen and Juliet Trafton. Well, hey, everyone. We are here with Stephen and Juliet Trafton. Uh, They are Broadway actors and have gone into ministry and are doing these really awesome ministries, sharing in local congregations, mostly uh, really performing letters of the Bible. And uh, we had the opportunity to have both Stephen and Juliet over at our church at Tower Hill a couple of times now and have loved what they have brought to us and thought it'd be really cool to have a conversation about what it is they're doing, how it can help the local church. And uh, maybe that will spark some ideas for other churches on how to really bring scripture to life. So I do want to welcome Stephen and Juliet Trafton. Welcome. Thank you, Jason. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Glad to have you guys. So thanks for taking the time to be with us and to share some thoughts with us. We're glad to have you. So I have have wanted to uh, ask this question of you and really get into conversation because we haven't when, every time you've been here, it's it's always, you know, we're all moving 100 miles an hour. But I'd love to just camp out on this first question for a minute. And that is, tell us, how did you, I mean, my goodness, getting to Broadway, getting to perform and uh, on that level uh, had to have just, just take a lifetime of work. And I'd love to for you to share with us a little bit about your journey to Broadway and then your journey toward ministry. Um, I'd love to hear about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I grew up singing, always loved singing from a very early age and uh, into high school, loved singing and also got involved into theater and drama as well. And uh, then began to start thinking about um, maybe majoring in it. In Wait, where did you do most of your singing in high school? Uh, well, at church. And what, what was the name of your group? <laughs> We had a group called the Joy Singers. So really cool. <laughs> High bar to begin. I like Go it. Man. That's fantastic. So uh, yeah, we were in a you know we did a lot of different Christian music songs and traveled around. I grew up in Kentucky, and um, yeah, but then really started to love theater, and so auditioned at a bunch of schools mm-hmm. and, and got to go to a, a school uh, for musical theater, and it was just a really intense program. 
there. And, um, yeah, I mean, long story short, we went to New York and had some auditions and I was able to audition for Les Mis. I mean, to Broadway and, and, um, my first Broadway audition, I was booked in that show for the original wow. revival cast. So it was, uh, it was quite a ride. God was definitely moving things behind the scene that just, uh, clearly was his work and mm-hmm. not mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just such a, such an amazing experience to do that right out of school for two years. And then that show closed and um, happened to book uh, the tour of Phantom of the Opera, the Broadway tour. And that is where I met Juliet. Um, and so she was in the cast and uh, we knew that we both uh, were Christians and loved Jesus and, and started a date and actually got married while we were on tour there. So um, that's kind of the, the, the short story of uh, coming to Broadway. Uh, both uh, on Broadway, but also the Broadway tour. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about your... Sure. Mine is similar. Um, I grew up the youngest of a family of four. I had three older brothers and the brother closest in age uh, with me, Daniel, we would do a lot of singing and dancing around the house and towels for capes. We wore other clothes too, <laughs> but we wore capes <laughs> for towels or towels for capes. And uh, I mean, we just, my mom would play the fan of the opera on the piano and mm. I... I was always just just drawn and captivated to that music. It was beautiful. And I, I didn't know that I wanted to be a performer at a super early age. Well, I mean, I did by the time I was in high school. So that is an early age. But I um, had a lot of different interests. But man, just when I was on stage, whether it be in a high school show or a church show, something inside me started to glitter, <laughs> glitter shine I don't know and uh, you know it's a strange road I, I right after right after college I did um a Disney cruise line which is wonderful so much fun the perfect job for like fresh out of college and then after that we had some illnesses in my family and so I couldn't move right to New York and work with the agent that I had begun working with but he was a he was a very kind man and he would get me auditions and um I basically used all the savings from the cruise ship to fly up on these last minute appointments. And I was down to the finals for um, a lesser-known musical by Maury Estin called Phantom, which is uh, based on, it, it, it is the Gaston LaRue novel. And I didn't get it. I was down for the understudy, and I didn't get it. And then along came the audition for my first Broadway show, the Broadway tour of Phantom of the Opera, the much more um, famous show. And I, I didn't think I stood a chance. And I auditioned in New York City, and I, I couldn't believe I got the call. and. It was the first first Broadway show I had auditioned for, and I went out on the road just a little before Stephen. And then when I was in the dressing room, a girl came bounding into the dressing room because she had Googled Stephen when she found out he was the new guy coming on the show. And she said, she said, Juliet's going to marry the new guy. He's got scripture in his bio. And I was mortified. Nice. Boy, we showed them. And she was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was actually, we were on the road for a while, married, and we decided we wanted to relocate back to New York. And Stephen, Stephen was the one who encouraged me. He's like, you have to audition for the Fantastics, which is the longest running musical in the world. It just closed last year, I believe. And um, it was here in New York City off Broadway, actually on 50th and Broadway. And I could only, excuse me, go to the callbacks because of my brother's wedding and the Lord just opened doors there again and one audition in front of the director and the production team. And I got the lead and it was just such a beautiful show. I got to work with Tom Jones and he was incredible an incredible cast that became like family. And, mm-hmm. and we just said, 
That's all. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. I, I'm really curious, what do people have wrong in their heads about Broadway actors? <laughs> What's like the biggest misconception? <laughs> What do Broadway? people have in their heads about Broadway actors? <laughs> well, I, I think it's like this glorious, like you've made it, you've oh. succeeded, mm. you've hit the pinnacle, and it's kind of gravy once you have that job. Mm. Yeah, you never really feel like that, which is yeah. the, the funny little lie that you tell yourself is if I can mm. just get to this level or this job, then I will have really made it. And it's mm. so funny, the minute you get that call from your agent that you did get it, you start thinking, okay, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. Steven used a phrase a lot. He's like, well, how can I prove this? This one wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Satan yeah. is always out there. To- yeah. I mean, it really just like reveals idolatry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for me, it was like Lamez was beyond to do that at the age of 21 was beyond my wildest dreams. And then, but then to get there and then, you know, you realize everybody around you is, kind of just as, as unhappy and unfulfilled as they were not having a Broadway show. And, and then, yeah, you're seeing people and you're like, huh, I wonder, wonder why they got on Broadway. They're not that good. And then I was like, wait, maybe I'm not that good. You know what I mean? And Did so, you think that about me? <laughs> but I began to think that about myself. And so this thing that you're like, Oh, excuse me, worth and value. Then it's yeah. like both for yourself and other people. You're like, Oh, is this really, and so like just shows like when we've set our hearts on anything other than, than being rooted in the identity of Christ, like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't fulfill. And so, um, you know, and even if you do get that job, like the show ended up closing. And so when mm-hmm. I found out that it was closing, it was, it was just devastating. It was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to having nothing. And so I think that's, that was a major struggle for us and a struggle for a lot of artists is um, just kind of like my security of of my life and my livelihood it, it comes and goes and there's so much uh, uh that's out of your control that's mm-hmm. that's hard to challenge with and so yeah i think even the most amazing actors struggle with mm-hmm. with self-worth and identity and confidence yeah there are a lot of happy and yeah. wonderful people in the theater community mm-hmm. but yeah. our point is, is if just like any career path if you think that yeah that career goal is going to give you that sense of security and that sense of worth. It's the sands are always shifting beneath you and there's always something mm-hmm. more, another level to get to. Um, so yeah, it, it's fraught with the same pitfalls. Mm. Um, How long before you started thinking ministry? Hmm. Well, it kind of really was born out of um, this kind of loss of identity. Um, we had, I'd done Les Mis and then I did Phantom and, uh, and then had a kind of couple of years of just unemployment and hardship and some injuries and, uh, just really feeling frustrated that my hands were tied behind my back. Like I didn't feel like I was doing what God had created me to do. And at that time we had joined a, a Bible study through our church, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, if you know Tim Keller, he's been our, um, pastor for a long time. And so, um, uh, they had a community group for Broadway actors that met in Times Square and Max McLean, uh, now a mentor of ours, um, hosted the group. And it was in that, in that time when I was asked to then lead the group at some point, And I started to, st- um, start a series on Philippians. Um, my dad's a new Testament scholar. So I've been reading some, some commentaries and things like that. And it was really around that time with, with Philippians that I, 
as I was actually really trying to study scripture for the first time and try to apply it to people that I saw it really, really come to life for me. Um, and it came to life because I, I learned the context. I learned the context of what was going on and that these are real people going through real issues, just like each one of us. And that really made the application pop. Um, the Bible became not this boring old thing, but something dramatic and alive. It wasn't something that was hard to understand. Now that I understood the context, it was like, oh, this, this makes a lot of sense. And something that seemed irrelevant now was like, wow, this speaks directly into our situation. And so one of those ways for me was Paul. Paul had been called to preach the gospel to all nations, and yet he's writing from jail. Mm-hmm. So he must have felt like his hands were tied behind his back and feeling like, wait, you called me to do And yet he's rejoicing that he is seeing the gospel uh, move and expand. He's constantly talking about joy. And mm-hmm. so in that time, I was like, I want that. I want, <laughs> I want what he has. I want Christ um, to be here, whether I'm on Broadway or not. And anyways, all of that experience just kind of led to the question of how can I as an actor bring this letter to life mm-hmm. in the way that it was happening in my mind. And so through story and through, um, audience engagement and improvisation is able to recreate kind of the context and then perform the letter. And that's what ultimately formed into, into uh, living letters in the ministry that we're doing now, which is to get people to understand experience and live out the word of God in, in a really fresh new way. That's awesome. Um, I, something that struck me when, you know, watching you perform was, even as a pastor, I don't often read scripture, read the New Testament letters in the way that they would have been heard. That is all of it in one shot. You know, that folks would get up in these churches and read an entire letter of Paul and everybody would be standing because that was the posture of worship. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, how, how uncomfortable, you know, how would you? And then you know, I don't think I have the attention span to listen that long, but, but when you really <laughs> act it out, um, it really gives you, like you said, context. You hear the whole argument. You hear the whole conversation. You hear you hear it all at once, and it really does something. It really uh, helps helps you understand so much more in such a real way what he was saying and why he was mm-hmm. saying it and the flow of his argument. So um, that was something I really noticed when I heard you perform. Oh, cool. Yeah. So Jason, you're oh, the well, one pastor you. that you don't actually read the whole letter. Like, all the all the good pastors out here, that's what we do. I I don't know, man. We may have to bring Cliff that up. It's all the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there's something yeah, I mean, about helping bring the 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 word to life it, that helps us hear it in a new way. I think um, if we don't have that experience, I think it's so easy to sit in church if we're, whether we're a pastor or a, just a, you know in the congregation and trying to engage with our faith to have fresh encounters with. God's word and in a way that helps come alive. That's, that's what we want to see and, and experience. So it sounds like some of the work that you're doing is trying to, to help create that environment and that experience for people as they, as they come and as they listen in. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that's, that has opened, that has been eye opening for me is, is just that we miss so much when we read scripture just through our 21st century lens. Cause you know, if somebody writes us a letter um, it's personal. Like we have kind of hopes and fears and struggles and somebody writes in to us that we know really well and we're just reading the letter. It's not necessarily dynamic in and of itself, but because it's so personal and because they're speaking into situations that 
makes it exciting. That makes it dramatic. It makes it relevant. And yet when we read these letters that are written 2000 years ago to different people, like we don't have all those fears and struggles and hopes and worries. So it just doesn't mean much to us. And so what we've been able to discover with theater is that through the imagination and story that we can have an audience step into those hopes and fears and worries and struggles that the Philippian church was going through or Colossians or the first hearers of the book of Ruth Hmm. to get audiences to be transported into those kind of feelings. And then after we set that up to then perform that scripture to them uh, and yes, we're acting it out, but hopefully what it's caused is to recreate that original drama that even though that person, even though that book was read or whatever, what it felt like is what we're trying to recreate because, you know, we live in a culture that, I mean, people are constantly quoting scripture in the public sphere and in churches and people kind of take scripture. And I mean, you could really use it to justify any argument you want, but it gets extracted from scripture in, in its context. And so there's so many things that I think we can protect God's word from when we start in that way. Um, and that, that's a big heart that we have now, you know, instead of argumentation, which certainly some people are called to and need to do, for us as actors and storytellers, you know, there's this mm. sense in which people can get it and they're like, oh, I get it. I finally understand. I've experienced it and I hear it speaking into me now. So it, I guess with that as a background, do you think that that's kind of the, the unique um, thing or the unique benefit of the arts in worship, in churches? I mean, what are some of those you know, you think about, I mean, the church has always embraced music, but not all churches have done things like dramatic readings of scripture or mm-hmm. uh, incorporating other arts, even, you know, dance and other things. I mean, you definitely hear about some of that, but that's not the norm, I would say, mm-hmm. in most churches. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the importance of art in the worship experience, do you think? Well, um, Stephen and I have um, children, two young children, and um in some research and study about maybe homeschooling our oldest son, who's just about to be school age, mm-hmm. um, you know, stumbled on, you know, a truth that we've known, but it was a good reminder. It's like the more parts of the person that you can engage when you're trying to teach them something, the more likely they are able to own what they've learned. Like, so if you can get your child up and walking around, if you can get them writing it out, you can get them using a craft to do it. You can engage their imagination with it. You can engage, you know, if you could engage their emotions with the lesson better that they're going to be able to grasp that. So um, very much for the same reason that we love theater and plays, um, Madeline Langle does this great, I, I really should find the article, but she says, you know, what an actor does is she steps in front of the word, goes and puts it on. So no longer is it about engaging only the mind, the, the, the intellect of the listener, but we're putting on this other person that all of a sudden is flesh and blood and feelings and emotion and context and circumstance. Mm-hmm. And when we're able to um, sweep somebody up, in the story of another person's character, they get so drawn in that, and we even get that way. We forget that we're, as we are being swept up into this greater story, that all of a sudden a mirror is being held up to ourselves. We're going, oh, that's me. I've done that. I've said that. That's been said to me. And oh, I felt that way. And then all of a sudden the story that you didn't know before becomes so familiar that you own it. Because not only did you engage 
the fact center of the brain, the thing that says logic and yes and no, but you engage the emotions, you engage the uh, the imagination and that, that sense of being when all of a sudden we can, it's not about somebody saying you did this or you are wrong or you are right. It's about somebody experiencing the feeling. I can't deny that even if I might want to. I can't deny what you've just taught me or I can't deny that what I've just remembered because of the story you told me. And so I think that the arts and worship um, is just a great way to augment the pastor's already awesome and rich teaching. It's a, it's a way to... That was to, very well said. Speaking of you pastors, you guys are already so fantastic and we're gonna and we hope that the arts can come alongside and say so we want to take what you've done and help it go deeper you know another thing is is just the bible itself is is filled with art and it is art in fact that so much of the bible is story is told through narrative um there's so much poetry and in, in the psalms and in the prophets um the psalms itself are meant to be songs. <laughs> um, there's lots of, you know, stories in the Old Testament of just like how much care was put into the construction of the temple to be beautiful. So, I mean, you see arts, the Bible itself is communicating itself um, creatively and artistically. Um, and so one way we're, we're trying to do that, I mean, the letters are, you know, were spoken, but like Juliet says, Ruth, the truth that's being portrayed is, is a story. And stories shape us, you know, movies and books that we read shape us very deeply. And so the word is not just principles and timeless truths, but actually the stories themselves are to shape us. And they have a particular effect in the way that we receive them. So mm-hmm. some, it's why some people read a book or a movie and, and they're like, that story changed me. Whereas if, if someone had just told them, well, here's the point of the movie, mm-hmm. or here's just like a couple like neat truths you learn from it. Those can be helpful, and those can be transformed, but there's something about the story itself that powerfully changed you. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we're hoping to preserve is the idea of like a live theatrical performance mm-hmm. um, experienced as a community. That mm-hmm. is a very important thing. It's a very important mm-hmm. thing to, as a community, come together for a length of time and experience the same thing for 30 minutes or whatever, however long it could be. Um, that's something that our culture, in some ways, some portions of our culture, we're moving away from that. Even if we're together, we're at our in our homes on devices watching different things. Or there are even some clubs in, in lots of cities where they, um, it, there's no, it's a silent club, but they put on earbuds and everybody's listening to the same music, but like in their own earbuds. And so it's almost like you don't even know what is moving the other person. Because you're not listening to it together, actually, and you heard them laugh at that moment, you know, because you're it's you you're having your own singular experience, and so we are also very passionate about um, the we what we believe are the benefits of the of a communal theatrical live event or a communal live event where people sit down, put their things away, listen, watch, or experience for this amount of time, and we believe good things come from that. You know, in church, like we have portions of the church that like have a lot of theology and head knowledge. There's a lot that appeals to the heart um, or there's a lot about action and hands and all those are important roles of the church. I think a neglected one is the imagination mm-hmm. and how, I mean, if we just take, for example, just the future Christian hope of 
everything being set right in the world. <laughs> a new heaven, a new earth, that takes imagination. That's hard to imagine. And so um, even just the life of faith itself is living by faith, not by sight. And so I think what the arts begin to do is begin to tangibly give us glimpses. They help train the imagination for the life of faith. Is yeah. it um, a little bit, little bit different question? Sure. I was just wondering, is it hard being a Christian in the theater, in that whole um, kind of environment? Is, is Christianity something that is you know, it's sort of like, don't ask, don't tell, or is it a little bit taboo or is it kind of freely talked about? I'm just, I'm curious. I really don't know the answer. It is, it is freely talked about. Um, it is freely talked about. We don't know any other career path. Um, now we're moving mainly into ministry, but um, both of us still, we do concerts together and I still work in commercial. So I'm often working with, uh, in, within the industry um, yeah, it's a, I don't know any different, but people always knew that I was a Christian and I, I hope it was a good thing that they knew. And I'm sure I, I, I'm sure I bungled so many things, but they always knew. And, um, granted in the last few years, in the last couple of years, I should say things of, you know, our political and cultural climate have kind of heated up a little bit and, uh, definitely people are taking sides of this. So I haven't been in a show during this certain season which i think is a little intensified a little more mm -hmm. um but yeah no it wasn't don't ask don't tell people pe man they I and mean, people are very open in the theater world mm -hmm. so you knew their you knew what they believed and you know it was expected mm -hmm. that you would share what you believed back and lots of conversations lots of conversations that had nothing to do with the play backstage mm -hmm. and, and lot to do yeah. with worldview and faith yeah i mean definitely you know You'd be surprised that there are like quite a few Christians mm -hmm. among the Broadway community sprinkled throughout shows, which is encouraging. You know, and of course you're going to get you're going to get some people that are hostile to Christianity, but I guess you kind of will in mm -hmm. kind of any business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but one of the great things that we love about theater, what she was saying, is that theater itself is a communal event, and it's usually dealing with. Um, subjects and themes that are about being human love and right. justice and alienate and so those foster community and and conversations are where those things can happen i mean honestly you can't really talk or you know from a public platform about a lot of things because in our culture today there's no room for nuance it's all uh you're either for or against, mm -hmm. you know, pick a topic you're for or against there's no and nuance mm -hmm. is what happens in the conversation so it feels like you know, churches can learn mm, yeah. from even uh, backstage of the theater company. Yeah. Um, tell us oh, about my. Living Letters. Tell us about your ministry. What do you do for churches? And then how do churches book you? I mean, how do, how do we how do we do this? So share a bit about about Living Letters. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we've discovered. I mean, I've been in youth ministry for six years um, at Redeemer, and we've been doing this. And I think one of the things that we've discovered about ourselves and I think a lot of people in the church is I know people are like the word should be I should be reading the word all the time I should be excited about the word that hopefully will have the effect that wow scripture is actually really exciting and dynamic it's oh I, can, I understood all of that and it's, wow it's it's really relevant it speaks directly into my situation and I think what we're doing is a very unique way into that and so we have different productions that we do of different books of the bible um 
that have two parts. We invite them into the context. We set the characters, the struggles and hopes and fears of that original audience. Uh, there's some, usually some improvisation connecting with the audience. They become a part of the performance. Um, and then we have the whole book memorized uh, and perform it for them. Uh, and then the audience is, is then left challenged, encouraged by that particular story or, or message. And so uh, I do three of Paul's letters, uh, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. Uh, Juliet does um, Ruth. And those are kind of our main uh, productions right now. And so uh, there's a lot of churches that will come back every you know year or two. And kind of, you know our goal is to have long-term relationships and and um, again, so that people can really understand, experience, and live out God's word mm. in, a, in a fresh new way. Um, I just reformed Ruth at Mendham Hills Community Church in New Jersey, and uh, they said to the pastor, said to us at the end, "Well, we've done, we've had you for everything you do. Now you got to do it, make another one." <laughs> Which, of course, is our intention to be producing more. But it was great. To, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of that's a. A lot of trust he put in us, and you know we're always happy to go back to a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. so we sometimes it'll be just like a single event um, that people can come to. Um, so it's, they're meant to stand on their own, uh, but also, oftentimes uh, churches will have a sin to go along with their series. So mm-hmm. uh, Philippians, um, I'm going to Kansas City in January, and so that's going to kick off a whole series of Philippians. Or some people will then have a sin. She just did Ruth, and they did a brief series, and then she came at the, at, at the end. And I did their Sunday services, so it was actually the presentation was a pulpit fill. Mm-hmm. And when we do the special events, it's a different um, it's a different incentive for the church because it's a great way for them to open up to the community. Some people mm-hmm. might not be comfortable coming to a Sunday morning. Uh, sometimes people will perk up to hear, oh, it's a Broadway actor coming to the church on a Wednesday evening. And um, Stephen and I, you know, we have done things before where we will and end with worship or we'll end with the question and answer. And we try to, we do try to tailor um, the performances and the events to the community, the churches and communities mm-hmm. needs, and they can always look a little bit different, but we've found that in every situation, whether it's a pulpit fill, whether it's a Sunday night or a special event during the week, it's, it's been a different, but really well received. We're very, we feel very fortunate to have um, met the great community of support that we have. And we've traveled a lot of places now in our about six years and yeah. very blessed to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and conferences too. Yep. Conferences. And colleges. Sorry. Did you say that? <laughs> oh, and to offer to answer your question about how they can book us, we have a great website, living-letters.com. It's living-letters.com. And that'll connect you with our Facebook and our Instagram. It'll give you more information about the shows we do and who we are, or like more details about our resume. And then there's a contact us button and it'll come right to me or Steven and we'll get back to you soon. Um, and we, you know, we've had some hosts that have been very creative, like, uh, you know, a school and a church, you know, have come together and they're like, we want to have them to perform during the week. You know, can you book them for a Sunday? And we kind of share the expense or so, yeah. So living-letters.com, that'll connect you to our Facebook and Instagram. There are little buttons on the bottom, give you a, a little peek into who we are. There's some videos and stuff on there. And then, um, yeah, just con- hit the contact button. Excellent. And, and um, before we hit record, you had said something about maybe an incentive for our listeners. Uh, listening. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. We're excited to offer this. Um, anybody uh, who wants to book a show before May of next year, we're happy to offer a 15% off of the booking fee. Just mention that you heard us on this Reclaimed Leader podcast 
and we will just factor that right in. We'll go over um, what the cost is, and anybody who mentions Reclaimed Leader uh, will get 15% off their booking fee as long as they book before May 2019. Now, why May May 2019, you might ask? Um, We're having our third child. Oh, congratulations. Early May, so um, we're trying to front load the year um, because we know how we know what the second child did to us. <laughs> so, uh, we, we can only imagine, engage our imagination, what a, a receiving a wonderful third child will be. So um, the, the spring and winter is booking up nicely, but we'd love to, we always try to be creative and work with the different people's um, needs and uh, resources. So mention this podcast. Awesome. You know, what's funny, Juliet, is that um, every time I've spoken to you, you have been in the process of having a baby. <laughs> Every, every time. <laughs> Maybe it's you. I should stop talking to you. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We're very excited about it. We just found out that's it's a great. boy today. Oh, that's so we have a old, yes. Our oldest is a boy, then we have a beautiful little girl, and then this will be our little boy too. Wonderful. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you guys sharing your passion and your hearts. And I, honestly, I think if, if you know, you could probably talk all day long, like you said, about about your, your passion. And really it's a timely conversation for me, for us, I think as the church, what does it mean to be the gathered community in a digital age when you can engage online and, uh, you can have almost a downloadable church experience. Um, Mm. and is that really the church? Is that what God intends Mm -hmm. for us in community? And how do we take the best of that world and bring it into the church, but still create experiences and environments where we can experience God in community. And, and so we've been wrestling with that question. We just had a podcast last week where we were kind of kicking that around a couple of weeks wow. ago. Um, so thanks really timely on what does it mean to, to be in the same space and to share an experience and to have something happen to us and in us because of that. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really, really appreciated those thoughts for sure. Jason, any kind of last words as we uh, kind of wrap up here? All I can say is, you know, we've had we've had the Traftons at our church and we have loved it both times and hope to have them back soon. And I just want to encourage any pastors out there, if you have any questions or just want to know, like some of the details about, you know, how it worked for us at Tower Hill, I'm, ha- I'm happy to respond. Just reach out Jason at ReclaimLeader.com. I'll be happy to Thanks, answer Jason. whatever questions I can and to and to set you up. I really believe very much in uh, the Traftons and their ministry and mm-hmm. know that you'll get a lot out of it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks and we loved meeting you, Jesse, too. Yes. Thank you yeah, for setting nice this up. Yeah. Glad to have you on. And uh, yeah, I hope the, the year goes well and uh, enjoy your the things that are coming up, Christmas season and all those kinds of things. And so hope, yes. hope all that goes well. New York City and Christmas time, if you guys are us, oh, I'm jealous. It makes, it makes me happy. I love that. <laughs> it is. It's pretty. It can be pretty magical. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving yeah, tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. You too. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Well, Jason, so glad that uh, we were able to connect with Stephen and Juliet and to hear their hearts clearly super passionate about what they get to do, um, not only in their careers where they've been, but what they're doing now, serving the church in this new way through these living letters. And so, uh, so glad that we got to have that conversation and hear their hearts and, and kind of the joy of getting to do what they do. And, and they're, they're, uh, they're wanting to see people really get it. Uh, about God's word, what he has to say to us in our lives today. So I really appreciated that passion and um, resonated with a lot of, of kind of what they were talking about, about creating an experience that sort of captures the whole person, the heart, the mind, the imagination, the emotions, and how there's something about that experience that can imprint things 
into our hearts and minds and memories in, in a way that maybe just an intellectual approach or, or uh, some of the things that we do uh, in church maybe doesn't always accomplish that whole person uh, kind of experience. So really appreciated their, their thinking and heart behind that. Yeah, and, and that we learn in a multi-sensory way. And the more senses that we engage in our learning, the, the more we learn. You know, thinking about the power of engaging all of your senses in story, um, you know, I, I just think back to a couple of times, one time in particular, you know, I'm, I'm 15 years old and I'm fishing in Vermont and my mom's on the boat and I feel like I've, I'm stuck on the bottom and I'm complaining that I'm stuck on the bottom. Turns out it's this giant smallmouth bass and I can, as I'm reeling that thing up, and how excited even just my mother was, you know, with me and experiencing that moment. I could see the color of the fish in the water. I can hear her voice as she's excitedly saying, get the net. You know, I'm, I, I'm, that moment is just drilled into my soul mm-hmm. because uh, it was a moment. And how we can do that with scripture. We can create moments that, just drill into our soul and uh, and how that doesn't normally happen when it's just kind of a a lecture or you know we're just engaging one of our senses but but trying to really embody the story uh, is really powerful so that's what that really reminded me of and yeah. how can we do that more as churches yeah I love that and it kind of relates to this whole conversation we've been having about uh, church online and what does it mean to be gathered in person with people and and of course Julia had some thoughts on what it means to have a shared experience in the same space with laughter and uh, and, and sort of uh, response to what's happening in front of you I just I, I resonated with a lot of that as well um, now you've had them come to Tower Hill tell us about that yeah. why should people consider doing this I mean the concept is a good one but why why look into living letters and, and these two in particular? I think it's great because it's a, it's a change up. It's a change from what we usually do when we talk about scripture or, or when scripture is kind of the center of our worship experience. It looks a particular way every week. Uh, it looks like a sermon that's delivered in a particular way. I think it's nice to get something a little different, something that you, but something is really, really engaging and you walk away thinking, wow, I, I didn't just learn something about a particular verse. I learned something about that whole book, about the whole circumstance in which Paul wrote it, about the way that it was delivered then and how it's delivered to me in my heart right now. I mean, when they came, they, they just did such a nice job. And I, everybody felt encouraged and felt like we had all experienced something that, that was really worth it. And I want to encourage anybody that wants to have them, please, you know, give them a call. They are just, they're absolute professionals. They also sing together and play guitar. So uh, when they came, I know at least one of the times they came, uh, Stephen performed Philippians, and then they both sang and played guitar for worship. And, uh, and you know, I mean, two professional Broadway singers, it's just like, wow. <laughs> it was really, really powerful. So I just want to encourage anybody, yeah. sign up, <laughs> grab them. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, connecting us with them. And hopefully this helps you think about some ways to be creative and use your imagination and your approach to the services that you create or different opportunities that you 
present for your congregation or for your community to engage with the story of scripture. So really grateful for our conversation today and uh, hope as you guys go about your work, it's that kind of that Christmas stretch now and we're all kind of cranking away on a lot of different things. Hope all that is going well, that you're getting some time to, you know, have your own cup of hot chocolate and candy canes along the way and whatever else you need to do to kind of uh, make sure you're getting to celebrate and remember what uh, this season is all about too, that uh, Jesus came to be with and for us and uh, to be the king that we can give our lives to and serve and be a part of this upside down kingdom that he brings. And so really glad that that we get to be on this journey together, Jason. And uh, I'm glad for the folks listening in and really have appreciated getting to connect with some of you online and the different things that we do. Until next time, hope that this has helped you to lead change without losing your roots. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.